Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. It's one of those very special days on the Feeling Scene podcast because I have a Once Upon a Time podcast co-host of mine on the show today, one of my favorite critics of television and film and culture, uh, one of my favorite conversationalists about the movie Neon Demon, and also whatever uh, insect plague is befalling, (laughs) descending upon the Northeast Corridor at any given time. Roxana Haddadi, what do the people need to know about you before we get started here today? Oh man, that's such a good, that was such a kind introduction, but also a reminder <laughs> that like outside there are hordes of disgusting insects, lanternflies and stink mm-hmm. bugs and horrible things. To know about me, <laughs> um, I am a TV critic at Vulture, I am Iranian American, mm-hmm. I like movies and television, and I'm very excited to talk mm-hmm. to you about I think probably my most formative film, like as I grow older, like what am I now, 36? As I grow older and I rewatch this film and I try to like every couple of years, I watch it and I'm like, oh yeah, like that's basically, that's what set my personality. <laughs> it hasn't grown or changed since then. It's still that set of priorities and that ideology um and like part of me feels like that's really pure and good and i'm proud of that and part of me also is like okay mm-hmm. so like it's been like 28 years and nothing <laughs> nothing is different <laughs> that, nothing has changed no. well but in your defense this movie pump up the volume and this character hard harry mm-hmm. this movie plays very timely now even despite the fact that it came out prior to the turn of the millennium like i was watching it i was like shit this is an up in arms the kids are not all right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you know raise your fist in the air sort of call to action movie Mm -hmm. that like with different vernacular put to it would not feel out of place watching a new release come out with christian slater saying all the things he's saying in this movie right now so to be fair you were ahead of the game you were mature for your age and the world is catching up with you. It's true. Uh, that's a very nice way to call me the trendsetter that I really and truly am, <laughs> Jordan. Thank you so much. But yeah, I mean, I think like we're going to talk about pump up the volume, but like this was such an interesting like era, this like 88, 89, 90, 91, 92 period of years, because I think it's when we got mm-hmm. Heathers, we got pump up the yeah. volume and we got Empire Records. And Pump of the Volume mm-hmm. and Empire Records are from the same director. So it's like this little trio mm. of movies that I think transcend generations at this point. Like, I guess they were, mm-hmm. I guess they were Gen X, but like were millennials. Right. And I feel like they play very well to millennials. I think they play well to Gen Z. There is this like core understanding of like adolescent unhappiness that I think Mm -hmm. just sort of transcends the fact that like this movie came out 30 plus years ago. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying that's it, forget it. You think about it, everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. Speaking of schools, I was uh, walking the Howard Halls the other day and I asked myself, is there life after high school? Because I can't face tomorrow, let alone a whole year of this shit. 
Yeah, you got it, folks. It's me again with a little attitude for all you out here in white bread land. For all you nice people living in the middle of America, the beautiful. Let's see, we're on uh, 92 FM tonight, and it feels like a nice, clean little band so far. No one else is using it, and the price is right. <laughs> and yes, folks, you guessed it. Tonight, I'm as horny as a 10-pecker to house, so stay tuned because this is hard, Harry, reminding you to eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark. Pump of the Volume is about a boy whose uh, family relocates from the East Coast because his dad is like a superintendent kind of guy. Yeah, like he's like a school, school superintendent. Right, exactly. Yes. And so he's come to this uh, district in Arizona uh, because he's really good at his job. And the, the school, uh, Hubert Humphrey High, that his son is going to go to is like the best SAT scores in the district. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of a loner, this Christian Slater. He's kind of a loner, Mark. Um, he's not real good at talking to people in life, but his big secret is that he has a pirate radio channel that he broadcasts on. Like, <laughs> I think it's like he does it. I think he does it every night and it might be five minutes or it might be five hours kind of thing. Right. But he just like he has a voice modulator and his shtick is that like he can't stop masturbating. But he's all like he go- he says like I go to this high school so they know he's a teenager mm-hmm. and he's like either fits of like obscenity and silliness and playing music and dancing around his room and joking around to like taking reader letters and offering counsel and giving like glib but earnest advice and being like hey man we're so exploited like we're trapped where we are like reaganomics this is bullshit like Our political screeds mm-hmm. yes and along the way starts uncovering like an actual real plot at the school that is resulting in the principal expelling people to keep her SAT scores high because she's culling the students very unjustly. And he becomes like the vox populi of the teens who are being (laughs) run out of the school. Talk hard, he says. That was an excellent synopsis. (laughs) Yeah, he uncovers like an actual conspiracy. Like he, you know, like I used to do as a teen and like I still do now, speaks broadly about like, adulthood as a conspiracy authority figures as a conspiracy like all of these sort of like nebulous things and Mm -hmm. then yes stumbles upon the fact that like oh the principal actually is padding her numbers and keeping the money from the school system yeah she claims for the school i do think that was always a little bit of like is she pocketing the money like what is she doing yeah um but yeah so he actually uncovers something that is like fucked up and close to home yeah uh diva residence david diva speaking WKPX. You're live. We're doing a piece on high schools. Uh, we understand that you're a guidance counselor. I'm head of guidance here at uh, Hubert Humphrey High in uh, Paradise Hills, Arizona. I've been here seven years. Could you tell us a bit about what you do? I run a comprehensive American values program uh, uh, in which uh, we discuss uh, ethical situations, uh, sex education, What do you say to young people who look around at the world and see that it's become, you know, like a a sleazy country, you know, a a place you just can't trust? Like your school, for example. How come it wins all of these awards and yet students are dropping out like flies? Why why is that? Well, I think I was finding interesting about what, like, 
that like that Gen X era and what like this figure representing a sort of like more like I would imagine like the equivalent of like a leftist youth today Mm -hmm. the parallel to him now is like the podcaster Mm -hmm. not like the pirate radio dj but the podcaster and the kind of screed style of message delivery and sort of Mm pro-anarchy i'm like resonating what harry is saying is resonating with me about rise up stand up in the cafeteria flip the tables like like respect for teenagers like they're holding us down the system is exploiting us Mm-hmm. All the adults being like, don't rock the boat if you're in it. Like, just keep the status quo kind of thing. But the, his format of delivering his message is very in line with, like, very right wing mm-hmm. and, like, scary fascists now. So it's like the message is, uh, is like, the leftist of present, but the style is like an info warzy kind of thing yeah. that he's doing, yeah. which is a fascinating mishmash to feel in 2023. Yeah. No, that's a very good way of putting it. Like, when I am watching this, and it's so, I, I feel like it's impossible to remember when I actually saw this. Um, mm-hmm. I know that we've talked about this, like, numerous times, and whenever someone asks me, like, when was the first time you saw this movie? My answer is always just, like, it must have been WB, UPN when I was young at some point. But yeah, like, yeah. I remember at that time because i listened to the radio constantly the idea of like a mm-hmm. pirate radio station was like oh my god like you can just do this so it's almost yeah. like how we talk about journalism and blogging today it's like the freedom that was mm-hmm. afforded in a pirate radio station felt impossible to understand at the time um whereas mm-hmm. yeah now when you're watching it you're like it's all this like almost like Howard Stern shock jock like wrapping yes. everything in a ton of like aggro masculinity which is itself a performance for the character but it's yes. like what draws people in people are watching because they think this guy is like masturbating all the time and then yeah. and then he is like slipping in these comments and observations about like we're all listening because we all feel lonely like we all realize that something is wrong but we don't know what that thing is and we're searching for companionship in these like bizarre inexplicable times my dad sold out and my mom sold out years ago when she had me and then they sold me out when they brought me to this hole in the world hey they made me everything i am today so naturally i hate the bastards speaking of which i am uh running a contest on the best way to put them out of their misery. Tonight we have number 12 of 100 things to do with your body when you're all alone. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it is this really like almost message of companionship and collaboration and like coming together Mm -hmm. delivered underneath all this like sort of toxic gross yeah like under the guise of someone that tucker carlson would definitely invite on his show 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. but it also makes me laugh as i watch it because i'm like who taught him the the sound effects of how to master on air yeah yeah oh 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 are you listening to this yeah of course i'm listening i have hair coming out of his palms Oh, this is a champion one. Oh. Just like, and like, what is he, is he supposed to be a senior or a junior? Like, is he like a 16-year-old or is he a 15-year-old? I guess he's supposed to be 17. Is yeah, he a senior? Like, let's say like 17, I guess. I guess, yeah. How old was Christian Slater actually? Like 25? I was going to say, he looks like he's at least 25 years old. He looks like a sexy, grown-up 25-year-old Christian Slater. I need to Slater. look God, now. I need to his look. His power. 
his power at this time. I know. Like, I love it when people bring a character that is happens to be played by an actor who was such a moment in time. Such and a moment was, in time. Like, because there's so much. Oh, it turns out Marissa. 21. Uh, producer Marissa says he was 21. Okay. I could buy that. Yeah. I could buy that's that. Still, 21s are regularly cast as high school, so okay. Yeah. But I think there is something about, like, Slater's performance and just how, like, both cynical and as you said like earnest and sincere this movie is mm-hmm. that i feel like uh wormed its way inside of how i like consider the world uh, you are you have like an outward cynicism but this heart of gold yeah well heart is something but definitely <laughs> yeah, there like, it is there's you know there's the there's pirate it. radio roxana that's it but yeah like the first line in this movie is uh like do you ever get the sense that america is like really fucked up (laughs) and i do all the time yeah yeah but that's such a strong first line right like it immediately tells you who this character is going to be Mm -hmm. and what he's gonna find so objectionable about being alive in that particular moment in time yeah but how he can't voice these things in real life like because of his Mm -hmm. shyness or because of like his introversion all of those things i don't know how much we saw characters like this in the 80s because i think the 80s were bless him john hughes's time totally basically you know like the john hughes movies pretty much do all end with you can transcend the badness of your circumstances by basically becoming normal yeah breakfast club is like that's a great pretty and pink is normal you know like those movies end with like don't worry you won't be weird forever yeah it gets better you'll you'll be your edges will go away you'll assimilate it'll be fine in Shermer, (laughs) illinois you will assimilate whereas pump up the volume very much is like fuck assimilation like you should be weird you should be odd you should Mm -hmm. force people to reckon with who you are uh and we got that in empire records too and i never like i never really grasped what happened to alan moyle like why like he made these two very like Uh generation defining films and then just sort of like bounced yeah movies that are like that are like i want it like be an anthem kind of thing like yes damn the man save the empire like and talk Mm -hmm. hard like he had movies with Mm -hmm. catchphrases Mm-hmm. And then I look at his filmography and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, I don't know if these just weren't fully appreciated at the time. Right. Like, if they felt uh, too confrontational, given, like, the John Hughesification of mm-hmm. teen cinema. Um, but, yeah, like, I think there is so much there to your original point that feels resonant and relevant and something that i always liked is that harry's advice is not necessarily good like Uh he takes reader letters his advice isn't necessarily good yeah but i think he's honest about the fact that like he doesn't have it figured out Mm -hmm. but he thinks we can figure it out together yeah yeah like hey i don't have the answers guys we gotta fucking find him yeah And there's something about that. I mean, again, it goes back to, like, me loving investigation movies and, like, the All the President's (laughs) Men of it all and, like, all that crap. But I like that he admits, like, look, 
I have this radio station and I have a loud voice when I am hidden from the rest of you. But I think there are things that we can discuss through conversation with each other that adults Mm -hmm. will never understand. And a big part of this movie, right, is like after the teachers find out what he's doing, they set up like a guidance counselor hotline that is a complete failure. Yeah, and that's like that's also like a trap for Harry. Like it's it's also a trap so they can yes. like thinking like that he might call. They tra- try mm-hmm. and trace his location via one of those calls. So wait, when mm-hmm. you saw when like you know whatever age you were when you saw this, was it like yeah. Christian Slater is saying things that make sense like that I have already been feeling, or is it like Christian Slater is helping me resolve feelings that I might have had, but I wasn't putting them in these words? Like what came the chicken or the egg? Did you was your personality mm, waiting for hard question. Harry or was were was your personality was formed, it like formed and for the by validation hard of Hard Harry? I think it was slightly formed already. Okay. This was definitely pre high school. Okay. Because I remember writing some of the movie's quotes on t-shirts. I did a lot of, like, writing movie quotes on, like, my dad's white Hanes t-shirts. I'd be like, Dad, we have to go to Michael's. He'd help me buy fabric pens. Like, yes. he was very supportive of my, uh, like, you know, whatever, frivolousness in that way. <laughs> and I distinctly remember I wrote one of them. I think it might have been the do you ever get a sense that america is fucked up and having to change at school like i had to wear something else (laughs) so i know that it was like pre-high school okay um and like i mean i don't know if you would feel this way jordan but like i always just felt different like I I yeah. was like a brown kid in like not a non-diverse place yeah. but just like there weren't other Iranian kids yeah. like I liked reading I sort of purposefully like distanced myself from other kids so like elementary school and middle school were not the best mm-hmm. partially just because of my own personality it was Mm -hmm. like a i don't feel understood by these people and i don't want to be understood by these people right um so like purposefully a loner i think a little bit um and also just like having a different perspective on things like Mm -hmm. i just remember and i don't know it's not like my parents did not assimilate like they did they were both like very successful like we were integrated within our community bleh, all mm-hmm. that bleh. yeah <laughs> but but i just remember thinking like feeling a specific tension with being iranian and with also being american and feeling like a certain amount of resentment about how other people treated us yeah yeah and of course like that amplified and like exacerbated with 9-11 yeah but so i just think that yeah so i just think i had like a certain sense of like being different and like listening to rage against the machine Mm -hmm. and doing all the like very sort of typical sure like middle school rebellion things so i think this must have been in middle school and i think it must have felt like I was watching something that understood how alone I felt Mm -hmm. and how unheard. I think I felt like he was voicing things 
I already thought mm. and also pushing me to figure out a way to voice those things. So mm-hmm. like I don't think I can honestly say like pump up the volume made me a writer. But I think there is something I think there must be something there mm-hmm. about like the pirate radio idea mm-hmm. and like the finding your voice idea that must have guided me like in some way mm-hmm. into what I did later, like joining the high school paper and like wanting to work on the high school yeah. radio station and like all of that stuff. Yeah. I the, the uh, you a pirate journalist yourself. I mean, what is, uh, look at our our little, an independent podcast is basically pirate radio. We're just throwing things into the airwaves. It's true. You don't know who's going to listen. You hope somebody does and take something away from it. But like so much of it is just like having trust in the universe (laughs) to like accept, to like accept your voice, right? And like, if it goes into the abyss, it goes into the abyss. Mm -hmm. But like, if somebody hears it, and internalizes it somehow like that's the entire point right well and i would these like this parallel like popped in my head of like i like so much more what christian slater what hard harry is saying in his jadedness than i do Mm. what fucking ethan hawk in reality bites is saying i'm so yes please same just more, like it, like Jordan, clearly that more. like that Gen X like it, er, late eighties to early nineties that disaffected feeling that you know Reaganomics has killed us all feeling capitalist society like where Ethan Hawke is this most caustic cynicism of just like mm-hmm. speaking in goddamn corporate taglines thinking he's ironic mm-hmm. and everything. There, mm-hmm. Maybe it's because the character's a teen, and so, like, you know, being teenage versus, like, shortly post-college age is a different experience. But, like, the teenage, right. like, naivete and just, like, ho- wish that parents would look out for you and adults would look out for you. Like, there is a gentleness and, a, and, an, and an earnestness, like we talked about, that comes through of Harry that's, like, another half of that era coin that, like, again, I think we see in the Ethan Hawke and Reality Bites, and we can throw him in the trash forever. Whereas I watch <laughs> I watch Hard Harry, and I do feel endeared to his version of just being over it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. But yeah, like, I think so much of what Ethan Hawke is saying in that film is, and this might be the failures of my philosophy education Mm. but i feel like ethan hawk is like a nihilist right like i think that he is like a pure like nothing matters so why would we try yeah who cares everything's been done everything's been sold out everything's over and harry says those things as well right Mm -hmm. like he talks about this generation and how there's nothing to do but i don't think he's saying it as like a and we should remove ourselves from it i think he's saying it as a what can we create for ourselves Mm -hmm. that counters this like established monotony Mm -hmm. but better reflects like who we are and what we want and what we prioritize Mm -hmm. and i think so much of that comes down to like after one of harry's listeners like dies by suicide Mm -hmm. like harry's whole thing is like I think this is really tricky to talk about, and so I I don't want to say it in a way that is, like, disrespectful. But Harry's whole thing is, like, really the way to, like, win, quote-unquote, 
against the people who are like oppressing us and diminishing us and doing all this Mm -hmm. is to like live as we want rather than like acquiesce to the pressures of what they want for us. Sure, 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 sure. And I remember like as a teenager who thought about ending it and who was like doing self-harm like i remember going back to that idea and also going back to like the crow Mm -hmm. and thinking about how like maybe being alive could be like its own kind of victory Mm -hmm. so i also always liked that this movie had that message in a way that to me at the time and still now does not necessarily feel cliche or like Mm -hmm. condescending or patronizing. Yeah. I think the movie is doing like the best job it can to say like, you can find people who are your people, Mm -hmm. but you also are going to deal with like a lot of shitty other people who won't understand you. And like, that's just the experience of being alive. Um, And I just remember sort of thinking like, Okay, like, uh-huh. I can maybe get to an age where, like, I meet more people yeah. who I like. Yeah. <laughs> and who don't make me feel like shit. And, like, maybe that will be a different experience from what I'm living right now. A thing that I expected when I started watching this movie that didn't happen, and I was really glad it didn't, was, like, you kind of see, like, the the different kinds of kids. Like, that's the, the overachiever mm-hmm. girl page and then you have like mm-hmm. the hooligan who's been kicked out of who was expelled from school kind of ages ago at this point and then there's obviously mm-hmm. harry the bookworm kind of guy who's very quiet and keeps to himself and what i thought we were gonna see was a kind of like classic high school thing where we would see kids factionalize like that it wouldn't necessarily be a plot point but that we'd see like jocks shoving kids in the hallway because that's a super 80s thing to do and like mm-hmm. just sort of inter inter-teen warfare but like because like when they all show up at the at the uh, they start to show up at this um athletic field because it's the best spot where you can pick up her- reception from harry's broadcast so kids start mm-hmm. like turning out here to all listen to this together it's like they're at a concert together like at a, like at a drive-in mm-hmm. show and i was so pleased to see that this movie didn't muddy itself by setting the students against each other and have it be like Mm -hmm. hey fucking poor kid with like some rich pretty guy like kicking somebody around kind of thing and like people Mm -hmm. don't like Paige because they think she's snobby but like Paige is kind of keeping to herself and not really like it doesn't become like a point of friction in the movie and Paige has her own freak out early on being like damn you know damn the man save the empire situation my name is Paige Woodward and I have something to say to you people People are saying that Harry is introducing bad things and encouraging bad things. Uh, Well, it seems to me that these uh, things were already here. Please go and sit. My God, why don't you people listen? He's trying to tell you that there's something wrong with this school. Half the people that are here are on a probation of some kind. We're all really scared to be who we really are. I am not perfect. I've just been going through the motions of being perfect. And inside, I am screaming. Paige, you were a model student. Let's hear what she has. Paige, come back. But I liked that it just let us have, like, kids versus adults. I liked the clarity Mm -hmm. of, like, no, this isn't about, like, some kids have it easier than others. This is is a generational disaffection that Harry is addressing. Mm -hmm. And I think you get that really well as well during the school day. 
Yeah. Because they have this like pit hangout area where like, first of all, I love the design of this high school because it's what in like Arizona or New yeah. Mexico or something. And the lockers are all outside. Out, yeah. Which is like amazing. Yeah. The high school I thought I would have when I went to high school because movies told me that everybody's lockers were outside. And then I was like, oh, I live in a place where it rains. So no, that's not what my high school mm-hmm. will look like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they have all these lockers that are outside and they have like this pit where they all like hang out and there's yeah. a bulletin board and they play like secret recorded tapes from yeah. Harry's like radio station. Um, and to your point again, like in those groups, like, yes, there are like a couple of jocks who hang out with each other mm-hmm. and they're like the punk kids who hang mm-hmm. out with each other, but like they're all hanging out with each other together Yeah, because they are all like united by what harry is saying and each of them like takes a little bit from it and then you also have like the montage sequences where we go around to different people's bedrooms as they're listening so you get like Paige's room where her father is like put up a bunch of yale stuff or like princeton (laughs) or something like that and like you get samantha mathis's room which is like a little bit it's, like, covered in, like, her portraits of who, what she thinks Harry looks like. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's a little bit of an obsessive shrine. Yeah, it's a little bit too much. But then you get, like, the, you get the teenage girls who are, like, too young. Yeah. And they, like, prank call Harry. So, I again, it's, like, one of those things where it feels like you're getting this, like, look into how organically things spread mm-hmm. back then. And, like, pure word of mouth. And just, like, people talking to each other. And again, like, that's really what Harry wants, right? He wants people talking to each other. So I love that this movie, like, implicitly has Harry encouraging that. Because mm-hmm. the only way to, like, hear about his show yeah. is to talk to someone who has listened to it. And it's explicit. Because in his show, he says, you know, like, I feel lonely and I don't know how to talk to people in real life. Mm-hmm. But, like... I would love to. Like, there's this one scene where he says, like, I didn't talk to anybody today. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, breaks my heart a little bit. But I think there is that sense, again, of, like, we all have the power and the ability to put yourself out there as much or as little as you would like. Mm -hmm. And I like that we get that from the teen perspective. And then you have the adults who mostly just, like, don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do not grasp what could be particularly difficult about being alive and being young right now and going to a school that only values you based on your test scores rather than anything else about you. And that also felt really prescient to me because, mm-hmm. like, you and I grew up in the George Bush, no child left behind. Yeah era like the institutionalized test yep yep for everything you're learning for the test you're not actually learning anything mm-hmm. and that was what like 25 years or 15 years after this movie yeah uh, and so i just loved that that also felt like a glimpse into what did public school education become yeah it became this really unfortunately restrained cut and dry kind of experience where like you're flattening who students are to get them to some like baseline test score Mm -hmm. rather than like how are these kids expressing themselves how can we encourage them to express themselves and explore what they actually care about 
it's time for a short break. When we come back, Roxana and I will consider if millennials had a hard Harry of our own. Then I will have one quick thing about some big breaking news as of this recording, and it has to do with the long-running SAG after strike. Stick around at the end, and we'll do a little bit of talking about that. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal, only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? No, Justin, that is absolutely not true. Uh, however, our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past, as well as some current not-so-legit healthcare fads. So you're saying that by listening to our podcast, people will feel better. Sure. And isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor? Well, uh, you could say that. But and our podcast is free? Yes, it is free. You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun. Just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but pretty good. It's up there. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm talking to TV critic and pop culture writer Roxana Haddadi who's feeling seen by Christian Slater's character of Mark slash Hard Harry in Pump Up the Volume. Let's get back to it. Who are our, like, this is Gen X, and they did mm-hmm. they do a great job with disaffection. Who are mm-hmm. our icons of disaffection in the millennial set? I don't think we have them. Do we have them? I was going to say, like, because I'm sitting here, I'm like, I know movies, man. Like, nothing's really coming to me. Is it 10 Things I Hate About You? My God, yeah, is it? Is it? Is is I it? I think it is. Julia Stiles in that, like, yeah, she's that, and even her, like, she. I would call her one of those. I think you're. I think that's a good point. And she is coming in like the tail end of the '90s, so yeah. like post 2000. Do we have a like saying cuckoo for cocoa puffs because you think you're cool and you think corporatization is bullshit and like nihil like. I know that's like, I feel like that's a generational hallmark of Gen X, but I just, I feel like we don't do jaded like we used to in cinema. Is it Ghost World? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, like, okay, I guess it would be like really indie feeling cinema. I think it's really indie things. I think it's like Ghost World. Mm-hmm. I think it's, there's something else that's like on the tip of my tongue that I'm not remembering. Uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse, I feel is probably in there, like the Todd Salons kind that's of. possible. Is it also maybe Juno? I mean, I have a lot of problems with Juno. Surprise pro-life movie Juno, you know? <laughs> Truly. No, I think that's a really good point. I think that's, Juno felt like, like, that character of Juno felt like a novelty when we got her. Like, she's Mm -hmm. not like the other girls kind of thing. Uh Whereas I feel like there was probably what was coming from, like, the Christian Slater or, like, um, Robin Tooney in Empire Records being that Uh kind of 
comparable, like Robin Tooney and all of the, obviously also um, Rory, whose name I'm for, Rory yeah. Cochran. Is that Rory Cochran? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, so, yeah. yeah. Like, that felt like it was very of its time and a common archetype, yeah. whereas the yeah. Juno character doesn't necessarily feel like a common archetype of her time. She feels very stylized Diablo Cody, sort of like bat built from a composite of so many other things and put here as an oddity. And that's why you're like, well, look at this strange girl. And Juno, I think, to go back to like the John Hughes idea, mm -hmm. I think ends in a John Hughes type place. Yeah. Which is like, she chooses to have the baby. To your point, she like chooses life. Yeah. And then she has like a more normal high school experience afterward somehow <laughs> after she has the baby um but probably the other one that i would choose which again is another like early elliot page performance is whip it oh interesting yeah i feel like whip it could be again because it's like these like rough and tumble roller derby yeah like they're teenagers everyone else in roller derby is older so mm -hmm. there's sort of like a generational discussion of like disaffectedness but i think really like the answer that you're looking for truly is like our generation is sort of when teen movies began to die yeah and they're also when we got like the monoculture of teen movies uh-huh um rather than like than the movies that we're talking about which I think were more like observational rather than mm -hmm. mostly being romances and I think a lot of what we were getting were like teen romances rather than just like movies about being teenagers yeah 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 I think that's a good because yeah. like even the Harry has a thing for Samantha. Mark has a thing for Samantha Mathis's character. Yeah. But like, it's who not until the Jordan. Who would not? Yeah. Who wouldn't? <laughs> like, congratulations, Mark. Yeah. You're not special. Like, you just yeah. showed up here and met Samantha Mathis. And it, but that doesn't. It's a. It's this thing that's happening on the side, and they have like moments of chemistry. But the movie mm -hmm. does not become about his pursuit of her. Correct. Whereas I do think the formula became the pursuit of her kind of situation. Yes. 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 And I mean, there's also like the Judd Apatow of it all. There's also like the super bad and like, yes, these other, like, I feel like super bad was very much like our generation. And that one is a little bit more just like high school hijinks, but very few of them are, um, very few of them feel like punk outsider characters. Mm -hmm. They feel like this point that Marissa just made, um, which is like, it's about nerds trying to fit in, yeah. which I do think is like the Judd Apatow model. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I want to be like normal and liked. And then eventually you realize that like, oh, that's not necessarily what I want. Um, yeah. But and it's he's sort like of clearly like, someone who was raised on movies like Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. Yes. And I also think it's worth talking about like, there is sort of like the freaks and geeks yeah. undercurrent, which is like so many of these movies, like the Judd Apatow movies and their particular sort of ensembles grew out of freaks and geeks, which I think was about like, again, the failure to like become popular. Mm -hmm. um, but I think all of that, <laughs> our discussion of all of those things, I think just makes Pump Up the Volume feel 
more special and mm-hmm. more dissimilar. It does. Because ultimately, like, yes, like, Mark is accepted, right? Like, the movie ends with his telling everyone to, like, start their own pirate radios. But, like, my man gets arrested. Like, there isn't necessarily a happy ending for Mark. Like, there yeah. is sort of this sense of, like, something bad might happen to him, but his message is, like, what endures. It becomes bigger than a high school movie, and it becomes, like, a generational experience movie. And I don't know how many of those we've gotten. Maybe Ghost World. Maybe Ghost World would be the only one. The only... Okay, the last last comparison I think that we can make Mm -hmm. to pump up the volume is another strong Roxana Haddadi favorite, Mm. which is Hackers. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And talk about someone I like more than Ethan Hawke, Angelina Jolie. No, Hack the Planet. Hack the Planet. Hack the Planet. Like, these movies had, like, Empire Records, Pump of Volume, Hackers, had, like, strong declarative messages Mm -hmm. for, like, what you can do as a young person to, like, upend things that are fucked up your high school's fucked up the u.s government's fucked up yeah the recording industry is fucked up like there were all these different ways that you could observe what was wrong with a system Mm -hmm. and do your little bit to change that Mm -hmm. and yeah we definitely whatever i'm just gonna say it i don't think we get those anymore at all i think that's i think that's a good point because where that spirit like when it evolved into in terms of like the mores of movies that get produced it's like empower the youth young people in movies like became the ya wave like the hunger games Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. necessarily the divergent movies because they're just but the divergent books but like so it's people like these young girls like in girl power rising up to Mm -hmm. overthrow a system but in such mm-hmm. an out, outlandish, not like fictional science fiction environment, that mm-hmm. these move like Empire Records, like that's one record store. Hard mm-hmm. Harry is one high school. Like mm-hmm. these are example hackers. Okay, a little bigger because we're talking about a little bigger, but we're like, we're that small unit of like the hack the planet, like that little group of hackers. Like it still Mm -hmm. felt really, the conflict felt really local because it felt like Fisher Stevens versus these kids. Yeah, very tangible to understand. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the hackers. It wasn't the, it wasn't the maze runner. It wasn't the hackers versus an alien ship that had come to subjugate humanity. Jordan, and it's their how job are there to take it so down. Many, there are so many mazes. Like, why are there so many mazes? <laughs> there are so many mazes and so many scorched trials. So many trials that have been scorched. Uh, <laughs> but it feels um, like, yeah, it feels like yeah. it's like, well, and there's like, you know, meta, sci-fi, you know, things like that metaphor. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. If you only have the stuff that's the metaphor, you detach things from the sort of grassroots reality of what uprising could look like. And so it's like, mm-hmm. so do I need to be a mocking jay to yes. do good? Yeah. I mean, you only get the like, you're the super special one story. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's the Harry Potter, it's the dystopia, it's yep. the like, you will be born with abilities that you did not know you had. <laughs> yeah. It's like 
It's like, okay, so like, should any of us like work for anything yeah. or like, no? <laughs> I wasn't born an amazing archer, so like, I don't know yeah. what to do. I was not born in the maze. I'm assuming <laughs> that's why they are maze runners. Yeah, so you're, you're definitely right that like we then had, and we're still caught in. I think, yeah. That wave of like a certain kind of YA storytelling, like the new Hunger Games movie is coming yeah. out. They're doing a goddamn Harry Potter show on HBO. Like <laughs> yeah. we have not, we have not returned to that sort of like tangible one to one. What can I do as a teenager? Idea, except for maybe in something like I'm a Virgo, which like comes mm. from Boots Riley and is of course about mm-hmm. like organizing because that's like who Boots Riley is. Absolutely, um, of course. But yeah. yeah, like the larger tide is what you said it's either like the ya or it's sam levinson's continued grip on adolescent storytelling for whatever reason it is not like the grand september of 1995 when (laughs) hackers and empire records came out within a week of each other like what time Whoa! What a time! Yeah, it was like September fifteenth and like September twenty second or something. God, Amazing. I want a print. I want a newspaper. I want to copy the newspaper from those. Like these are the theatrical show times, so I can frame it. God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead, God, I'll just continue to buy bootleg like homage shirts that's fine i mean um, is that not what both of us do i have like yes. some coming in the mail exactly like, i got my- one in the mail yesterday i got one yeah. in the mail yesterday what is like young rebellion now if just not wearing a graphic t-shirt of my favorite movie that's what we've been reduced to. that is that is, we've been reduced to that and red scare what a barren landscape God, this took such a turn <laughs> I didn't know we were going to end in such a bleak terror. Should I just talk about Christian Slater's glasses and like yeah, how perfectly like, they like, frame like his that face? Could be our, we can really just like, you know, as we go into our conclusion, Christian Slater's glasses, you guys, that's a formative Very moment. Good. So Christian Slater's glasses. Very good. Very good. Uh, no, but I actually want to know before we round it out what you thought about Samantha Mathis, because you were an established Samantha Mathis fan. Yeah. How did you feel about her performance in this? I really, I really like that she, I really like the little surprise that she was, because she was one writing like really freaky letters in to Harry, right? Yes, the eat me, beat me lady is back. Come in. Every night you enter me like a criminal. You break into my brain, but you're no ordinary criminal. You put your feet up and you pop a Pepsi. You You start start to party. party. You turn up my stereo. Songs I've never heard, but I move anyway. You get me crazy. I say do it. I don't care what, just do it. Jam me, jack me, push me, pull me, talk hard. I like that. Talk hard. Yeah, like very sexualized poetry that also made him uncomfortable. This is how I relate to Harry. He does all this sex stuff, but you know this man is deeply actually afraid of sex. Yeah, and like she she's very like I feel like there's a sort of there's a version of that character that's like when Natalie Walker used to do those front facing videos of like archetypes of girls in movies. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. like at one point like Harry is like he's just had a feverish broadcast after there's been a school board meeting all about him. 
And Samantha Mathis starts out in his house, like, and he kind of, like, he can't really talk to her. He doesn't know how. So she sort of leaves him in his room. But she comes back after his broadcast, and he's standing outside shirtless. So she just takes her top off, and she's just standing in front of Mm -hmm. him. And the way Mm -hmm. that it was handled, I thought was so well done. Because it was like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like she did that for us to see her as, like, the Mm -hmm. voyeur public. This felt like what this girl, like, this hormonal teen writing these crazy weird kink horny letters into Harry like yeah this impulsive teen would show up at his back door and just be like you're shirtless I'm shirtless what are we gonna do about it and then that what kind are we gonna of do about it beautiful mm-hmm. camera work of them like circling each other circling each other that was yes, really we don't get we don't get the cut to close-up of her boobies no we don't get that like very 2002 choice. Yeah. We get this yeah, like so hot. We get this like 1990. Yeah, they're like there's like this weird like I don't it's like flirtatious because yeah. they're like sort but he's, of but Harry's like afraid around like, each other. Harry's yeah. Harry's nervous. Yeah, Harry's very nervous. I think they kiss maybe once. It's like finally their lips touch at one point. Yeah, and then she's it's like, just, she's clearly the very... forward one, but then it's also like, yes. I gotta go. And then when yeah. like they could get closer even still, she has to panic and run because also they're both 17. Yeah. It's like, whatever, if they were adults. It's like very erotic, actually. No, it's <laughs> like that. If that scene was just like them as themselves in a movie about like adults, yeah. it would be like, that would be like an erotic cinema moment for sure. Yes. 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 I'm so glad that you like her in this because like she is, I think, just really bubbly is like not the right word. No. But you can't like take her eyes off of her, I think. And no. I think both of them had that quality. Like I think Christian Slater had this very like charged, wary, yeah. sort of like fatigued sense. Mm-hmm. And I think she was just like spontaneous and impetuous and Mm -hmm. like unwilling to take no for an answer and like together that just makes this movie really special so i guess you're not going on tonight brilliant is this all just a game to you you know you can't just shout fire in a theater and then walk out you you have a responsibility to the people who believe in you what is this Come on, say something. Say anything. Open your mouth and say, get the hell out of here, bitch. I can't. You can't what? I can't talk. Sure you can talk. I can't talk to you. I think the only other thing to say would be, like, Mm. get you someone who looks at you like how Christian Slater looks at Samantha Mathis in this movie. Because there's this one way that he looks at her where he's doing that, like, I'm looking out from, like, underneath my eyebrows thing. And it's both, like, he's frightened of her, but also clearly, like, enraptured with her. Yes. And I I think that's the power that we should all wield over our significant others. (laughs) That's what you should want. (laughs) <laughs> I completely agree. The power you should wield over your significant others. Um, thank you, Roxana Hadadi, for sending us off with that motivating um, relationship advice, really. I do what I can. Thank you so much, Jordan. <laughs> Thank you so much to Roxana Hadadi, my friend, my co-host for today, and my co-host in days of podcasting yore for the whole movie pod. If you want to hear us talking about hours and hours of neon demon 
related conversation, you can find that at the Whole Movie Podcast season that we did together with the artist William O. Tyler. It's always a pleasure to talk with Roxana about some not-so-distant cinema history. We are very seasoned at it, and today was as wonderful as I had been looking forward to it being. So thank you, Roxana. You are a friend of the show. Honestly, come back anytime. Uh, And then, yeah, guys, it's the one quick thing before we go. Huge news. Huge news. As of today, the writer's strike. The writer's strike looks like it is... It's on its way to ending. It has been more than 100 days. It has been um, months and months of actors out there on the picket lines, actors supporting the WGA in their recent labor actions, um, and the WGA turning around and supporting those actors right back. 118 days on strike. There is now a tentative agreement in place with the studios, which means that as of... Thursday the 9th at 12.01 a.m., the strike is is be it's it's being called off. Uh the union members have to now vote on the proposal. It has not yet been ratified by SAG AFTRA members, but there is a tentative deal in place. It looks close, it feels close. Let's hope, I hope, let us all hope together that the um the voting membership sees what their leadership presents to them and feels like it is the strongest representation of their wants and their needs as hard-working professionals in the entertainment community who deserve protections and provisions and compensation for what they do. This is not a hobby. This is a career. Um, We stand with the unions, WGA, SAG-AFTRA, Teamsters, and so on, IATSE, uh, on and on on this podcast. So here we are rooting for this deal to be good enough to be finalized by SAG members. Um, SAG folks, we look forward to welcoming you back to the pod when your union and you say it is it is prime time to return to the press ranks. Um, so let's all let's all stay hopeful on that. Let's all stay optimistic. And that is we did it, guys. That is our show for the evening. If you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod, or you can send us an email at FeelingScene at MaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm Crew on Twitter. That's J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.